Faye, in this era of rapidly changing practice with respect to COVID, I am so happy that I have a continued subscription to the OBG project. Definitely. I have really appreciated my OBG First subscription as well because I get a lot of my information actually from my phone. And so when they email me and I'm able to rapidly click on those articles and read them before they go away, that really allows me to continue to stay up to date on everything that's going on. And it's even beyond just COVID, right? They send us summaries of the latest and greatest and randomized trials for obstetrics, gynecology, and primary care, as well as other interesting articles that, hey, that just may be relevant to my practice or just something fun to know. So if you're a fourth-year resident like Nick and I, you can get one year of subscription to OBG First absolutely free. And we have actually gone beyond our first year, and I have continued to subscribe to uh, the OBG Project and OBG First just because I think that it is so helpful for my current practice and for my learning. All right, guys, welcome back. This is Faye. This is Nick. And this is Creogs Over, Over Coffee. Coffee. Today we have with us Dr. Dion Poulton. Dr. Poulton is the new Chief Diversity Officer of Care New England Health System, um, which is the overseeing an organization for Women and Infants Hospital, where Faye and I both work. And today, Dr. Poulton's coming to talk to us for part two of our wellness podcast, focusing specifically on diversity today. So thanks for being with us, Dr. Poulton. Well, thank you for having me. Good to see you again. Nice to see you again, too. So first of all, Dr. Poulton, I think the first question that many people may have, because they may not have one of these at their institution, is what is a chief diversity officer? So a, a chief diversity officer, is, it's a fairly new um, position and emerging that has, has gained popularity probably within the last um, 10 to 15 years. Um, it is considered an executive leadership uh, position at different organizations. The last research that I found, it said that 20% of, of Fortune 500 companies have one, so not that many. Um, but, the, but the role of, of a chief diversity officer is to, if I can put it in terms of HR, it mostly represents the a company. And a chief diversity officer is 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 more kind of um, supporting the 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 intricacies and relationships um, amongst the employees. So so in my particular role, I work I do work closely with HR in the HR department. However, I am a I'm a separate entity. So I'm I'm the, the place where employees can come to if they have any issues regarding diversity or any any um, any even even any questions about things they want to do in terms of their practice. So I, I serve as as um as that kind of liaison with staff to to kind of to, to make sense of things and, and grapple with the real um, issues that are affecting people in the workplace. Excellent. You know, coming into, I guess, a brand new role for us at Care New England, what has been your strategy, I guess, as a new chief diversity officer coming into a health system to say, where do we start or what should we begin with? So um, my strategy coming in was to kind of look at two um, broad types of barriers. 
um, that exist, and that exists pretty much in any organization you, you go into. So the first barrier is looking at systemic issues. And when I say systemic, I'm, I'm referencing either policies, procedures that are in place um, that, that may be contributing to inequities, uh, not necessarily on purpose, but sometimes there, there, there are rules that people put in place and they don't necessarily understand what the, what the implications are in terms of how they um, how they affect the people they're trying to serve. So that's one um, area, one barrier I've been looking at. Another barrier I've been looking at is the, the, the cognitive stuff that, that happens in people's minds, as I, as I just referenced. So what what's happening between between individuals and between um, um, the, the, the the patient and and um, and and doctor um, um, transaction. And so in, in particular, um, other what are the biases? What are the assumptions? What are the preconceived notions, stereotypes that all kind of play into how um, how people are treated and how people are cared for? And so I address those two things, um, those two major things, and 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 a lot of what I do is training. Thank you, Dr. Poulton. Um, I guess the next question that I have for you is, you know, how do you emphasize the importance of diversity to people who may not understand why it's important, and how do you reach those people? And maybe you can potentially spin that in a way for for some of our resident listeners. What have you tried to reach those individuals? So, um, so I come to this work, um, this is about 20 years of, of doing this. And, um, and also, um, I, I, I didn't add that um, this type of role, um, it's a very specialized role. And um, of late, they want people that have doctoral degrees or, or any kind of advanced degree, terminal degree, because it's a pretty um, high level position. And, it, and, it's, and it's very, very, um, it, it's multifaceted. So to answer your question, um, I actually did my PhD research looking at unconscious biases, and just through my research and just what I what I learned, and just as a teacher, I'm a, I'm formally, a formally tra trained teacher. Um, the goal is never necessarily to indoctrinate people, but just to kind of present information that is digestible, that is accessible to them, um, and just believing that people come to, their, to come to these conversations and and just diversity in general from their own space of knowing, and and not trying to convince people per se, but to kind of just say, you know what. Um, we live in a diverse society. Um, um, we have to we have to live together, hope, hopefully in harmony. If that's the, if the objective, and and the, and the goal is 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 to is to tell people it's the right thing to do, um, and that it, and that it's part of what we're doing. It's not it's not an additive. It's 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 it's, it's an essential ingredient of, of what we do. And the other piece I shared all the time is that whether somebody wants to acknowledge it or not, um, diversity is always in the room. It always has to be acknowledged, and so um, as as uh, as um, physicians or, or, or practicing physicians or even um, people in training, um, it's important to to understand that you want to um, approach every situation, every conversation, every transaction um, as as a diversity issue, and 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 recognize, okay, so what is that person's uh, background? Do they have a history of being marginalized per se? Uh, do they do they do other things that that they may have they may be going through that you have not seen because you're seeing them for maybe 30 minutes at a time, but they may they may have gone through a whole host of things that have happened in their lives on that very day, if not um, most recently, or even with their family members. So it's important to really. Um, just look beyond the surface of people when you meet with them, and to understand that there's there's, there's always a story there. And and I think as as a physician or, or a caregiver, it's 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 a good idea to kind of get get to that story and and have someone feel comfortable enough to share. Kind of practically speaking on that front, I will come out and just admit the fact I am obviously a cis white heterosexual male, privileged in the sense of growing up in a well-to-do household and didn't face like significant hardships growing up, you know, and when I go out and interact, I like to think that I'm conscious and thinking about 
what has gone through the lives of other people um, and keep that in mind in my conversations. But in terms of trying to do that tangibly, do you have any tips or exercises or things that somebody might think through of, oh, I'm entering a conversation or a situation. How can I keep track of my unconscious bias and make it conscious? Well, I, I love the way you describe yourself. And that's the first step. The first step is just awareness and understanding um, how you're positioned. Um, so there's a, there's a, a, a term that I learned in, in grad school called positionality. And, and, and it references the, the fact that we're all race, class, and genders. And those three things are very fluid um, depending upon where we are. So you described yourself as a cis, white, male, heterosexual. And, and, and just by, by, your, by, by, by who you are, you are positioned um, in society to be privileged. And, and, you know, if, and, and I, I think I shared previous training that um, if, for example, you, you're, you stand beside me in a room as a black woman, um, more times than not, people will think that you are the authority, and that's just that's just how society views um, different people. So, so to answer your question, I, I think the first thing is to is to have that awareness, which 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 you have, and then the other thing is to be to be curious and also humble at the same time. Um, I think I think it's 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 impossible to know the experiences of, of all people. I, I I make I make the the joke or actually the the, the point that um you know I've I've gone through through two pregnancies and my husband was right there with me both times, um but he will never know what it's like to have a baby. He can say he he thinks he does, but but he he doesn't have that experience or knowledge. He, he's not he can't he, he's never carried a child, so he he can't fully understand what it's what it's like. And the same 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 that same concept when it comes to diversity. So so just kind of being humble and and not professing to understand or know all the details and asking questions, being curious and just asking someone, hey, you know, can you clarify for me what you what you what what what, what just happened? If you if you witnessed something, um, asking questions and and just be and just be respectful. And I think um that's the way to really really move the needle and get us to a point where where we feel comfortable and because you can't change who you are um but but we can change how we approach other people and how we treat other people um so dr fulton i'm going to come from this with from a different angle um so as someone who is petite female a minority and if i were to see something going on that i would consider as potentially disrupting the workplace because of um, some bias that is going on. How would you recommend that someone like myself or who is, you know, potentially lower down on the on the trainee totem pole um, approach something like that um, and try to, for example, stop these things from happening? You know, I would say there's no one um, one size fits all approach or, or answer to this question. I think um, again, diversity. It's beautiful because people are different. Um, I know I inherently have a big mouth, so I and I I can I'm, I'm more likely to kind of speak up. And and actually, I'm, I'm I think I'm older than you as well. And I think just with age, I'm making an assumption. I'm, I'm putting it out there. Um, but I know for myself, you know, as a 20, 30 year old, I I was I was less vocal than I am now. And, and 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 most importantly, I have the, the tools and 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 the and the and the the, the proper language to address things. Um, so to answer your question, I, I don't necessarily expect people to jump in um, when they see something. I think ideally that would be fantastic because I think I think you know bystander the bystander syndrome is is, is a real thing, and um, people end end up really being crushed by those situations. Uh, but in the context of a workplace, as I've shared, if you're in a workplace environment and you witness somebody who has been um, the subject of some kind of incendiary comment or public humiliation, I don't, I don't appreciate and I don't like. Um, I, I think it's, it's important for, for, for somebody to speak out. And I think it's important for somebody to, to, to address it, not necessarily in a confrontational manner, but I like to say sometimes when, if I, if I witness something, I'll say, ouch, ooh, that hurt, or just kind of just 
bring it, just address it and to, to kind of interrupt the behavior. And if you don't want to get into it, then you can, you can just um, follow up later on with somebody, with that very person. Or if there's a power dynamic and power is real, um, you can also um, have somebody that you know maybe speak to that person on your behalf. There's, or, or you know, if, you're, if you have a chief diversity officer, you come to the chief diversity officer. You know, I have had physicians come, come to me and say, you know, this, 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 I've witnessed this and, and what should I do? And so it's not, it's not, a, um, it's not necessarily a manifestation of, of age or it, it, it comes down to how comfortable do you feel addressing things? Do you have the proper language? Do you, do, you, do you have the voice? Some people don't have the voice to speak up and some people don't recognize, um, they, get, they get kind of caught off guard and they say, wait, wait, what just happened there? And, and that's happened to me as well. And even in this role, it's happened to me where I've been caught off guard. So, um, so to answer your question, I just, I just think it's, it's, um, it, there's not one approach to things, but ideally we want to make sure we're trying to interrupt those kind of behaviors when we see them. And that way we, that, that way we can stop it and, 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 and leave people's self-esteem and, and their, and their dignity intact as much as possible. What advice do you have for trainees or listeners to our podcast who may be wanting to start an initiative like having a chief diversity officer or just a broader focus on diversity within their institution? Are there tools out there? Are there things that folks should reach towards to say, hey, we should have, this is the evidence behind having this and the reason we should be making these changes? I think that's a great question. And so um, you, you use the word evidence and, and that's, and data, data, data never lies. And I love data. Because if you're able to keep track of incidents that happen in, in a particular place, um, if you if you and if you have an, a leader who is who's open and receptive, and and you come to a leader and you say, you know what, this is what we've witnessed. This this is what this is what I think the, where the gaps are in education. Uh, this is where the gaps are in terms of our policies, and we need some outside help or assistance or or some specialized assistance. Um, ex, um, an, ex, an experienced person. Then then if you approach it from that perspective, I, I think that's a that's a good a good approach and a good way to to get these types of um, positions. Instituted in, in different organizations, and it is a, it is a latest trend that's happening because we are becoming way more diverse, and and of course with with more with more diverse people that 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 kind of lends itself to more conflicts and and misunderstandings and and, and misinterpretations and also unintentional behaviors. So so absolutely. Um, it's 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 a it's it's always a great idea to have somebody who knows um, about culture and diversity and 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 how to um, um, mitigate um, situations and 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 conflict mediation is huge. So um, definitely, um, that's a great approach to do in terms of getting a, a chief diversity officer in an institution. Nick and I are graduating from residency in a couple months, and we're going to be moving on to different places to continue our training. Um, do you have any, I guess, takeaway advice? Uh, for us or for residents who go to other places, any advice for any of us? Well, congratulations, first of all. That's, that's awesome uh, to both of you. I, Thank when you. you. When you leave, I, I, I would hope um, that you will continue these conversations. They're extremely important and, um, and continue to be curious. And, and, and also to try hard not to fall into a, a culture um, that exists if it's not what you think is is moving in the right direction, and 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 that's a and that's very difficult, and it's and it and it takes a lot of courage to kind of go against the grain, um, but I but that's where I, I use the, the the dichotomy of 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 influence versus power. Um, sometimes you can come into a situation and you won't necessarily be in a position of power. You'll be going to a new place and get have to get your feet wet and 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 come and it just you're a newbie basically, but it does not mean that you can't exercise your your your, your voice. 
and it cannot be you can't it doesn't mean you can't be an influence and so um it's always a great idea going to new places obviously i, I observe I, I i did that the first few months when i was at, as a care in england to see what the landscape was and then just figure out okay just see what's going on what are the, what are the trends and and what, what, what are the practices that are taking place? Are there best practices? Identify the gaps that, 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 are, that, are, that are there that, that you could be filling. And then if you come to um, this work and, and, and this, and this um, subject matter with the, with the um, agenda to um, problem solve, and you present it in that way, people are more receptive to, 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 to hear you and listening to you. So definitely when you, when you move on and you go to a new place, I, I think it'd be, you, you both will become excellent leaders and, and, and continuing these conversations and, and, and embedding um, whatever, whatever is necessary in, in your new areas. Well, oh, thank you. I'm excited to try and hold on to that going forward. Quick questions for you here. What would you consider a book that is essential reading? And what would you consider as a book that's new reading for you that you'd want everybody to know about? Mm, very interesting. Well, well, I, I would have to just comment on my own. I'm, I'm an author myself. I, I wrote ah. a book that is actually, it's a um, spinoff of my, actually, sorry, not spinoff. It's, it's, it's based on my PhD dissertation. And it's called, It's Not Always Racist, But Sometimes It Is. <laughs> we think about racism <laughs> and I actually wrote that book be just be just because I there was a, there was a a, a real confusion uh, between what um, biases versus what racism is the two the two totally different things and 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 if the two things get um, get um, if they're used interchangeably which which, which they have historically um, then when when something really happens that is that is considered racism, um, it, it can be trivialized. So that's why I wrote the book. And so in that book um, and through my research, I, I came across um, a lot of literature. And there's one in particular. Um, 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 her name was Pat Vidal, I believe, in 1970s, and she she coined the the equation: racism equals prejudice plus power. And in my book, I actually expanded that, and I said prejudice equals um, prejudice plus power plus intent so i add the word intent there because because i think that not that people don't necessarily do things intentionally and 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 i'll come back to, to what we do and 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 helping people i just i just think you have to be really really not a great person to choose to get into in this profession and 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 purposely try to hurt people i don't think people are i, don't, I just don't think people are well-intentioned um that's what i uh, that, that's why i come to this work so that's why i think that to, having the word intent is, is extremely important so in terms of another book, I I loved a lot of self-help books, the old school, like Emotion Intelligence. I think I think that's that's one that I think that's a that's a classic and I think it's a great thing and it, it ties into just the idea of of being self-aware. I mean, you have to be self-aware. If you don't have self-awareness, then then how can you have awareness with anybody else? And it's and it starts with you. And and I think I mentioned a continuum. You the only way that you can move along the continuum from from say quote unquote ignorance to sort to quote unquote enlightenment is 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 to be self-aware and to recognize, you know, what where are your pitfalls? Um and ask yourself, where did I, where did I learn what I learned? How do I know what I know? What messages have I been have I been taught when growing up or or, or or the people that I hang around with? And just cultivating that awareness and being emotionally aware of what's happening and how you respond to things will, will make you the, the the best person possible. Um, Dr. Poulsen, you we kind of talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but you mentioned that you were quite busy right now. And I, I wanted to ask you, have you noticed, are there any diversity issues that have become more apparent um, in this time of coronavirus? In terms of, in terms of just, uh, okay, I can speak in terms of just, just um, the responses to the, to the virus um, and then people being told to stay home, so to speak. There are some people who kind of take that 
literally. And it means that, oh, I'm gonna stay home even if I have something that's going on. And so we we put out the messaging to people that, you know what, if you have a condition that's not related to COVID, we still want you to come to the hospitals. The hospitals are still safe and you, you, should, you should still be seen. So you're not gonna have a, an episode at home. And, and, and with that, another, another thing that I've been, uh, that I actually wrote um, along with a couple of my colleagues is, is just things that we should be thinking about as, as, um, as, as um, caregivers or, or providers when, when people are coming in during this time and to recognize that it's such a stressful time. And one thing that I did learn through my research is that when we are cognitively um, preoccupied or tired, that's when your biases are more, are more likely to come out. So that's where, you know, in this special time with COVID and we're trying to, 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 to care for patients and, and also protect ourselves and, and be safe, you, you, we want to be extra vigilant and extra cognizant of, of, of how we're perceiving people. So if somebody shows up and they have their kids with them, um, rather than saying, why are they bring their kids to the hospital? It's COVID. It, it, maybe it's peeling back the onion. Say, you know what? Maybe they didn't have a, a caregiver. Maybe they couldn't some, leave, leave, leave the child at home. So just being more aware and being and being more more broad, and also just kind of um, relying on on the trainings that, that that existed, and just asking questions. And I think if again back to we're curious. If we're curious and we and we ask a lot of questions, then that would help mitigate um, any anything that's coming coming through, especially during this time of COVID when it's just it's so unpredictable and 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 really sad. Dr. Poulton, one thing that we did want to address in this podcast is the concept of microaggressions. Could you explain to us what a microaggression is and also how can we deal with this or come to terms with it in the workplace? So um, one training that I do is on microaggressions. And microaggressions, put simply, are they're, 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 they're subtle um, um, insults, um, sometimes verbal or nonverbal, that are historically um, presented to the, in the direction of, of, of people of color. Um, it has expanded um, to, to include other, other, other populations, including the LGBTQ community, and that's, and that's how I actually teach, teach the, um, the information. But nonetheless, it's, it's, it's those types of subtleties, those, those, those kind of insidious behaviors that, that people do that can leave a lasting, a lasting impression on, 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 on a person of color or someone, someone who's traditionally marginalized. So I'll give you an example. I'll, I'll share an example recently. So there was, uh, I was involved in a meeting and there was a deliberate attempt not to acknowledge my role in the meeting. And it was about diversity. That's an example of, of, it would be unnatural. It's unnatural not to remember my role in a diversity meeting. I was going to so, say that so, might be a macro aggression. <laughs> right, well, they, they do, there you go. There you go. There you go. So, um, and, and, and that said, again, I, I, I come back to intent. I'm not sure if, if, if it's intentional or unintentional, but nonetheless, that's an example. Uh, but at the, the, at the end of the day, what it does is it's, it leaves me wondering, okay, hmm, why did that person do that? What, what was that person thinking? Okay, so what's so what's what's our relationship like? Has it changed? And so you start so 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 the, the impact on the on the person, they start to think about okay, what's going on here? And 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 start wondering, okay, did I do something? And and that's a natural response to 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 micro microaggressions. And also in the context of care, I've I've shared this example before where my my sister was at a, at a doctor's office and um the, the doctor made a recommendation to her and she didn't really want to take it. And the doctor, um, you might Think this, this is macro as well, but um, the, the the doctor kicked kicked um, my my sister's sock to her on on the floor, and so that's that's an example of hmm, like is that's just like who does that? <laughs> that's just that's just not not professional to do. So it's those little subtle behaviors um, that that people do, um, and and one thing that I do say uh, that I, is that people who have been through 
stuff and who have experiential knowledge and I'll speak for myself I, you know I've, I've been in this earth almost 50 years and and I I've, I've seen a lot I've done through a lot so so when it happens it's not a surprise it's sorry it's not a surprise in that it it I I I can see what it is when it happens sometimes people don't believe that people can see those subtleties but but they but they can be pretty as you said uh, macro because because that person has a history of, of, of that. Anyway, so that's, that's a piece of um, training that, 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 is, that is important and, and I think is actually a, a good um, next step to um, unconscious biases because it really gets into details about, you know, what, what, what really undergirds those types of behaviors. I guess a follow-up question to that, Dr. Poulton, is, you know, I think a lot of times when people, you know, when they make these transgressions, these microaggressions, they're not aware of what they're doing. And you also brought that up before where you were saying that a lot of times it's people aren't doing this intentionally. How do you recognize if, you know, you yourself are, you and the general you are doing something that might be considered a, a microaggression or how would you, again, you know, bring that up to someone? Because I, I find that a lot of times – especially when it the microaggressions are actually harder to address simply because they're not these overt obvious act of bias or racism um, but it may be something as simple as you know um, confusing to people uh, who are in similar roles just because of of their race how would you go about something like that you know it, it is very it, it is very difficult to address um, and 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 as you said it's, it's intangible it's, it's, it's not necessarily something that you can put your finger on all the time you, you know it's there but but it's not necessarily concrete so how do you go to somebody and just talk about something that's not really completely tangible or, or there my advice typically is is to kind of just to, is to watch and and just and, and over time sometimes people will do things because let's talk about the, the, the person who does it unintentionally first if you have a, a good relationship with somebody and you can tell that person just really has a blind spot, doesn't recognize it, I think it's a good idea to go to that person and say, hey, you know what, um, this, is, this, is, this is how I interpreted what, 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 what you said or what you did. Is this, is, was that your intention? Because this is how I received it. And give that person a chance to really self-correct and, and, and say, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize it. And so once you bring that to somebody's attention, they ordinarily, they'll, they'll change the behavior. Um, but if after you've told them that, that what they've said or done is, is it does not feel good, and it's and and maybe registering as disrespectful to you, and they still do it. And then it's like, you know what? Mm, okay, now this person really doesn't care about me or care about what I'm, what I'm thinking. But but more, more but more times than not, people just again, as you said, you know, they, they do things unintentionally. The other piece is yourself. If you're when you've done something wrong, and and that's a difficult thing because sometimes you you also don't know. And and I'll I'll you know I'll say to myself, I'm you know I'm supposed to be you know the, this this expert, but I have my own blind spots, and I don't recognize sometimes when I when I when I do things because I'm human. Um, there, there is a human factor to bias and, 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 and how we, the, the, the brain naturally makes sense of the world by, by categorizing and, and, and just kind of taking mental shortcuts. So, so it's a very natural thing for our brains to do that. And so, um, so, so coming up from that perspective, that's important to, to, to recognize. But so in, in instances where I've made mistakes and I think maybe, hmm, what did I, what did I do? I will go back to somebody, either it's my, my spouse um, or, or, or my girlfriend, and I'll say, you know, this happened, and I'll do a self-examination and, and just tell them, you know, this is what happened, and this, this is what I said or what I did. What do you think about this? And if I, and if I recognize I've done something wrong, I'll go back to that person and say, you know what, I, I'm, I just want to just be, 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 be clear, and, and I apologize if I offended you, um, that wasn't my intention, and just, and, just, and just be honest and say, you know what, I didn't, I didn't recognize um, if I did something wrong. And, and I'll share one more thing too when it, when it comes to addressing things with other people. I like to make substitutions um, in that when, you, when you're ana um, analyzing a situation, um, and I'll, say, I'll speak for myself as a, as a Black woman, 
if I if I something happens to me, I will peel back the onion and and then I'm the last person to say that something is racist. But what I'll do is I'll look at the situation and say, okay, so what did I say? What did that person say? And then I'll say, hmm, if I were somebody else, would would that person have done that? And it's not necessarily about race, it could be also about gender. So so let's go back to the situation I mentioned. So if I if I were um if I were a different person in that meeting, let's say if I were male, for example, would that person have deliberately not not mention me. So it's, it's 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 those kind of situations where you kind of just kind of analyze it and just and just make the determination as to as to how you're going to handle it. And every situation is different. So um it's a case by case situation and 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 as long as you 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 don't feel like you're holding the bag so to speak where where you feel like you can you you've addressed it in some in some way. Dr. Bolton, thank you so much for your time this evening. Um I think we have a whole half hour plus of excellent stories, tangible things um, that our listeners can take away to add to their own toolboxes for diversity, as well as to stay well and promote a culture um, that values and celebrates diversity. So again, thank you. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you again, Dr. Poulton. So once again, this is Faye. This is Nick. And this has been Kriogs Over Coffee. So guys, if you enjoyed the podcast today, head on over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, whatever your podcatcher is, and give us a five-star rating and review. Find us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at CriogsOverCoff1, on Facebook and Instagram at CriogsOverCoffee. And if you want to give us some support, go ahead and go to our Patreon, www.patreon.com slash CriogsOverCoffee. We have show notes for this and all of our episodes on our website, www.CriogsOverCoffee.com. And if you want to give us a correction for any previous shows or have ideas for future shows, go ahead and email us, creogsovercoffee at gmail.com.